My name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to be your host for the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm so grateful that you have taken the time to join me today, and whether you are a returning listener or whether this is your first time here, I hope that you will find encouragement for the journey that we call the Christian life, because as we all know, it is a marathon and not a sprint, and we need each other. Well, today I'm excited to be bringing you my review of The Chosen Season 3, Episode 2. This episode has great personal significance to me, as you will see when we get to that portion of our show. But before we do that, I would like to talk to you about what is going on. The first story is one that... A decade ago, uh, we didn't think we would ever have to talk about, and that is a courageous Christian uh, collegiate swimmer by the name of Riley Gaines standing up for women's rights in sports. There's a lots of different moving pieces, whether that be at the state level, the federal level, within specific sporting bodies. Riley Gaines is a 12-time NCAA All-American swimmer and now spokesperson for the Independent Women's Forum. So there's lots of different moving parts when I'm fighting to protect women's sports. And so it feels as if I'm everywhere. Um, but that's exactly where I want to be, is anywhere and everywhere where I can be contributing to ensuring that no woman or young girl has to unfairly compete against a male-bodied athlete or share a locker room with someone of the opposite sex. And so what I've been doing a lot of these past couple months is testifying at the state legislature, like you saw in North Carolina, doing everything I can to help encourage the left-leaning representatives or delegates to understand how this is harmful to women and how this isn't something that's anti-trans or deeply rooted in hate. And I think this is something that the Republicans could do a better job of the language they use to talk about these things. I, I have a lot of opinions there. And so I'm doing, trying to do my best on um, communicating my message in a way that highlights how we as women are being affected and how this is unfair. You noted the House bill at the congressional level. It did pass in the House, as you noted, along party lines, but it likely will not go further than that. The Senate likely won't take it up. And the White House has said the president will veto it. I I wonder if that leaves you at a state level for now. Like, is that the focus? I don't want to say anything until it it doesn't go through, but I am not overly confident that it will, obviously, as most people know. But there's a lot going on with Title IX, which is, of course, a federal civil rights law. Um, The Biden administration, they have rewritten what Title IX will be. Um, And I think this will be implemented in either May or June. And this will be detrimental to women's, not only women in sports, but this would mean that men could join sororities. Men could live in dorm rooms with women. Men could have full access to any restroom or changing space on campus for women. Um, So there's a lot of different pieces of this new Title IX that I feel as if the general public isn't really realizing. And so I've made it my goal, while, yes, I am focusing majorly on the state level in terms of passing legislature that will combat this issue, it's important to highlight to the general public exactly what the Biden administration is doing and the exact message they're sending to girls and women, because that message is that they don't matter. Their feelings doesn't matter. Their safety, their privacy, their dignity, their equal opportunities don't matter. 
First of all, I want to say bravo to Riley for having the guts to stand up for women and to stand up for the difference between women and men. Riley has a personal stake in this because she uh, competed against Leah Thomas, this biological male who claims to be a woman, in multiple events, I believe. In one particular women's swimming event, Leah won a national championship and in another he tied Riley Gaines for fifth place and so this is something that really hits home for her and so I'm really grateful that Riley has taken a stand the second thing I want to say is that when I first began to lay the groundwork for speaking for him one of my biggest burdens was that we were getting away from the blueprint of the Bible when it comes to gender roles God tells us that he wants everything done decently and in order. And he gave men roles in society and he gave women roles in society. And for the decade uh, that I was in college, the main goal of the feminist movement was to make a case that women could do everything that men could do, that they shouldn't be restricted to feminine roles or things that seemed only good for women that they could do everything that their male counterparts were capable of. And now they've gone to the next level and actually are stepping back uh, by several leaps and bounds because they are telling men, you can join us as women at any time. So it's no longer that women can do everything as well as a man can do. It is that a man can join women if they can't do things as well as their other male counterparts. And this is sad on a variety of levels, but the biggest level is that we've gotten away from what God said when he said, I made them male and female. He made us in his image, he made us male and female, and he made us a divine part of his creative order, which is this earth. Mankind was created on day six as the pinnacle of creation and the woman completed the man. And so in the most practical sense, she was the crown jewel of all creation because when God completed creating her, he said that creation was done and he rested. This is an amazing thing and we as the church need to embrace that and to realize that it is such a gift from God to embrace who God made us to be. There are only two genders, and everything else is confusion and chaos. The next thing I want to talk about today is that Affirm Films just came out with a new project sharing a biopic of boxer George Foreman. Listen to me, George. You got a punch like I've never seen. But in every battle, the greatest foe that we will combat isn't here. Imagine that. Live one way your whole life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. George should change his name from Four Man to Poor Man. <laughs> to hurt. Freedom! What's my name now, 
Foreman is the new heavyweight champion of the world. Where's all that rage coming from? Don't have any rage. And it becomes all you know. Let's thank God for the food, y'all. I bought the food, mama. George Foreman ain't no new champ. He is the new chump. We gonna get it on because we don't get along. Foreman goes down! Who said that? You ain't said nothing, George. Your heart stopped. We thought he was dead. I was. I'm done. I'm not going to box anymore. Do you know what you're walking away from, sir? I want to spread the word of God and what I saw. How's being a preacher going for you? It's hard. Harder than getting punched in the face. Sometimes it feels about the same. Hey, fellas. Come on and enjoy yourself. Power Company said we never paid the bill. Really? There's only two things I know how to do. That's box and preach. And preach you won't pay the bills. You made me something once, Doc. You can do it again. It is my destiny to win the heavyweight championship belt again. Last time they saw me, I looked like Superman. So now you look like the Michelin Man. This ain't no beauty contest. Michael Moore. He's 26 and unstoppable. How can you beat that man? Foreman is considered an old man in this young man's game. It's now. It's never. Mr. Foreman, that funny little grill deal you signed is starting to generate some substantial checks. Really? Now I'm just surprised they chose a big old fat guy like me to sell a grill to help people get lean. <laughs> I've always liked biographies or autobiographies and by extension biopics. I would say that one of the things that makes me excited about this particular film is that we see George Foreman uh, before he comes to Christ and then after he comes to Christ and the difference that Christ can make. I had the opportunity to watch the recent film about Whitney Houston when I was on my way back from Hawaii, and I just noticed, as in so many biopics, there's a lot of sorrow and angst in these celebrities' lives because from the outside looking in, you think they have it pretty good. They rock it to stardom. Everybody likes them. They have plenty of money. But there was no hope in Whitney's life. And that's one of the reasons uh, that her life ended the way it did because she struggled with uh, drugs and other issues and her life just ended in sorrow. Uh, but in the case of George Foreman, from what I've read and seen about this movie, you see a very clear difference between his life before Christ and his life after Christ. So I'm excited to see this film, and I'm excited to hopefully review it to you in the coming weeks. But I just wanted to bring you that trailer so that you could be aware that that is now in theaters. Uh, last I looked, there were plenty of showtimes, which I'm also excited about, because I know the last faith-based project that I wanted to go and see there was only a few showings a day, and that makes it more difficult to support a project. So if you are looking for a good 
movie to watch this weekend, maybe get out and see the new Affirm film, Big George Foreman. The time has come for our main segment, and as I said, we will be delving into Season 3, Episode 2 of The Chosen. I'm excited to share my thoughts about this action-packed episode with you, and I hope that it will bless you, and that if it does, that you will share it with your family and friends, and maybe it can be a supplement to your going through The Chosen with a group or whatever. Uh, This episode has a lot in it, and so we're going to dive right in, but before we do, I want to talk about our quote of the day. Uh, and this is a, an exchange between the disciple Nathaniel and Jesus. Uh, Nathaniel says, I don't feel any different. Jesus says, I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. Now, obviously, our relationship with Jesus Christ does conjure up feelings, but we cannot have feelings be the primary motivation for our faith. When Jesus tells us things in the scriptures, they are true, whether we feel they are true or not. Some days you don't feel as in tune with Jesus as as you do in others, but that doesn't mean that he has gone anywhere, for he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think that is a key thing for us to remember. I think it's also key for us to remember that it's God that does the work, not us. So we need to just be willing vessels and be waiting to to sense God's leading and to follow it, to allow big things to happen for the kingdom, not because of us, but many times in spite of us. There's another part in this scene where Jesus talks about how he doesn't need them but he wants them. And that really is true of the Christian life. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. He sent Jesus to redeem us because he wants us to be part of his kingdom and part of his plan to bring his truth to others. And so I hope that encourages you today. Now, before I get into the meat of my discussion, I want to share with you what I consider the pivotal scene of this episode and perhaps one of my favorite scenes of the entire season, uh, because it resonated so much in my own personal journey with the Lord, and that is a conversation that Jesus had with little James. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I am. Forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak. It's a very good quality. (laughs) I wanted to ask you a question. Please? You're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. (laughs) Forgive me, I just find that difficult to imagine with my condition. 
which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you. Right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. To know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, there's so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David. That I've fearfully and wonderfully made. But it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the Father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven, 
But Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer. Your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others. Oh, what a sight. I can't wait to hear your stories when you return. scene chokes me up every single time I see it or hear it and it just reminds me of the faithfulness of God and how he doesn't always have physical healing on the docket for us but he has great plans that we know not of and that he can work through us no matter what our situation is as the apostle Paul said um, he asked the Lord to remove his thorn three times, and God said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's conclusion at the end of that was, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So that was a very powerful thing to me, and I, like I said, am moved every time. I hear it, and I hope that it reminds you that God sees you, he knows you, and he wants to be there for you and also use you in a powerful way to reach people for him. We all have a circle of influence that God gives us, and it's important for us to focus on that and to not get distracted by the things we can't do, but instead focus on the things that we can do. So there is a lot in this episode, so I'm just going to go through a couple of the major highlights. First of all, we see uh, that as a result of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew and his parents um, are reconciled. Um, Matthew goes to his parents to ask forgiveness for uh, leaving them and for becoming a tax collector and then for putting them at risk because of his tax collector status. And he is ashamed and he is humbled and he is contrite. And Elpheus, his father, responds that he too had seen 
the Sermon on the Mount, and he never should have disowned him as a son. And there's a great scene of reconciliation there. Um, we see Thomas uh, making plans to uh, further his uh, relationship with Rhema, uh, which is an extra biblical storyline, but still heartwarming and sweet. Uh, we see Peter and Eden have some good relationship um, scenes here. I think one of the, the biggest biblical stories to come out of this episode is Jesus commissioning uh, the disciples two by two, and some of the pairings are uh, really interesting with the way that he did that. We don't read what the exact pairings were in the Bible, so it's interesting uh, the creative license that's taken there. And then, of course, the big scene with little James comes out of that because he gets commissioned to go heal others, to bring the gospel to others, but he himself has not been healed. And so you you see the struggle. I think that's one of the overriding themes of The Chosen for all seasons, but particularly in this season, you, you see struggles. You see the struggle of Matthew to try to comprehend what Jesus is saying and how he needs to apply it in his life. You see his family respond in kind. You see the struggle of Peter and Eden to reconcile Peter's new job as a disciple with his responsibilities of being a husband and desire to be a father. You see Eden struggling with loneliness and sadness, but then Peter also reminding um, Eden what Jesus had said to her, which is, I see you, I know your struggle, and I'm here for you. And then you see some of the struggles with the pairings that are put up. Um, and uh, so I think it's very interesting for instance, that Simon the Zealot and Matthew are paired up in this in this upcoming journey, and then you see the struggle of little James, as I said, to reconcile this idea that he is going to do great things despite the fact that Jesus hasn't healed him, and I think it's so important to get this lesson through because God has a plan uh, for each and every person that he places on this earth. And I'm reminded of what the disciples thought when they saw the man born blind. They immediately thought, well, it's because of the sin of his mom or his dad. Um, and Jesus said, no, it's to bring glory to God. And as I said earlier, in Paul's case, it brought more glory to God to have Paul deal with his thorn in the flesh and triumph in spite of it than it would have to heal him. I think it's really interesting what Jesus tells James. You know, there's hundreds of people that are being healed and they have great stories uh, because of it, but if people see you worshiping, praising, and proclaiming my word, 
despite the fact that you have not been healed. That's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to hear the stories from that. So I really thought that this was a solid episode. And um, as I said, there there's a lot going on here. I think that anytime you have someone who has a job where they go out on the road and then they come back home, there's issues with reintegration. And that's what you see with Peter and Eden. I know Dallas Jenkins, the director, said that he pulled from his own experience of traveling and then coming back to his wife and their attempts and desires to understand each other um, when he wrote this particular episode. I think it's also interesting because, you know, Jesus isn't going to stop healing people. You're going to see more healings as the season goes on. Uh, but in James's case, uh, that's not the plan that God has. And it's interesting that this was necessitated because uh, Dallas made the decision to hire Jordan Walker Ross to play little James, who happened to have cerebral palsy. So then he was faced with the reality of the fact that he was going to have to address the issue of why is this man struggling with an obvious disability when Jesus is with him who has the power to heal. And so I, I really think it was very well done. I know it deeply affected Jordan. I was able to listen to his podcast, What's My Limp? And he actually did a special episode that was just people responding to this particular scene. And I really appreciated it and it was very significant, um, as I said, in my own life. And I felt like the dialogue was very much like many conversations that I've had with Jesus, myself, in my bed at night, particularly when no one is around and I'm just searching for answers. I would say that overall, I'm to the place of acceptance uh, with what God has done in my life, with allowing me to have this physical disability, but some days are still better than others. And I'm sure all of us can relate to that on one level or another. You know, we all have struggles. They may not be physical, but whatever your struggle is, I hope that you will glean from this episode to just hold on a little bit longer and trust God to take care of the details. Um, I, I It's very interesting to see the Judas character uh, being introduced here and being gradually assimilated into the group. Uh, Matthew, of course, is nominated in the context of this story to be the treasurer of the group. He had struggles um, with money as a tax collector, um, so he declines and says, I don't want to do it, and then he nominates Judas because Judas has a head for business. And you have some hints in these early episodes of how Judas might be getting the wrong idea about Jesus. Now, it's clear that none of the disciples fully comprehended who Jesus was or what the full uh, cost of discipleship would be because they would all forsake him and flee 
in the garden. But there's definitely some really big hints early on here in this series, and again in this episode, that kind of indicate that Judas is thinking in a, in a more uh, earthly way than perhaps even some of the disciples have been conditioned to think. We talked a little bit about in the last episode how he was portrayed as an impulsive guy who just went for things without considering the cost. I've often contemplated why Judas ultimately betrays Jesus. Of course, there is a phrase that none of us can fully comprehend, that the devil entered into Judas Iscariot. But I have to wonder um, if he thought that Jesus would be taken and crucified. I don't think he did. I think he thought that Jesus would do something to triumph over the leaders who were trying to persecute Jesus. I think Judas, perhaps more than any other disciple, was thinking, well, we've been praying for someone to overthrow Rome, and I believe Jesus is that person. And so I think more than anything, he was probably giving Jesus the opportunity and the platform to prove himself, but that wasn't the way that Jesus chose to do things, of course, because he had to go to the cross uh, for for our sakes. He had to be obedient even to the death of the cross. And so, all in all, this was, as I said, a, a very full episode. You know, people have been clamoring for longer episodes from The Chosen because there's eight episodes a season. People watch the episodes and immediately they, they want more. And so Dallas often would say in the live streams leading up to these episodes, well, I have a longer episode for you. Um, I hope that you enjoy it for what it is. So I really like the fact that the disciples watched the Sermon on the Mount and it affected them. Um, there's an illusion made by Jesus that it wasn't just for the hundreds or thousands of people that were present at the Sermon on the Mount, but also for the disciples. And I would argue that it was primarily for the disciples. In Matthew it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and he opened his mouth and taught his disciples, saying, So Jesus knew that the multitudes were there, but his primary goal was to teach his disciples. And so I think that is a very interesting thing to see and how it is affecting the disciples and the things that they need to do. Last time we talked about Andrew's insecurities and how he needed reassurance from John to continue following and trusting Jesus. This time we talked about Matthew and his family and the reconciliation that occurred there. And then I thought it was interesting that Alpheus uh, gives Matthew back his key and Matthew says, I will never live in that home again, but then he donates it to the ministry so that the women who are following Jesus can stay there while the disciples 
are out on their journeys. And I have to say that the Bible gives us a, a few verses talking about the women that follow Jesus, and I really like the way the Chosen is portraying that particular aspect of Jesus' ministry. Because they're not placing them in situations where they wouldn't be. They're just saying these women are following Jesus and trying to be faithful to him, which I believe is accurate to the scriptures. So I believe that's all I have to share with you about this episode today. I hope that you have enjoyed this review and that you will share it with your family and friends. That's how more people find out about speaking for him and what we were doing. Before I sign off, I just wanted to make mention of one other thing, and that is that I have thought a lot about the format of my show over the years. When I moved the show home, I realized that I could go longer form and I could do whatever I wanted with the show, and so I started doing a current events segment. And I know that some people uh, don't like that as much. They just want to get to the main topic. They don't really like my perspective on current events issues. And so a few weeks ago, I added timestamps so that you could forward to your preferred place in the episode so that you could listen to what you wanted to listen to and leave the other stuff behind. Well, I still truly believe that it's important for me to talk about the issues of the day, but I am contemplating prayerfully starting a second podcast, which will remain on the Speaking for Him stream, which may or may not come out weekly because it will depend on what the stories of the week are, but it will simply be called Speaking for Him Culture Watch. And it's not going to be anything revolutionary. It's just basically going to be an opportunity to lift the current events segment from the Speaking for Him main podcast to a separate broadcast, which will detail two or three current events news stories. As I said, potentially weekly, maybe a little bit less. Um, But this will allow the Speaking for Him main podcast to be focused on the ministry stuff and people who want to avoid uh, discussions on current events can avoid the Culture Watch podcast. But I do think it is important for us to be aware of what's going on in our culture and to look at it from a biblical lens. So I don't want to stop bringing that to you. I just want to be sensitive to those who may not want to have those discussions before we get into the meat of our podcast. So I'm going to give it a few more weeks probably before I launch that as a separate podcast. Um, My goal is to make a definite decision on that by June 1st and then go forward with the two podcasts in tandem on the Speaking for Him podcasting network. So I'm kind of excited about that, kind of trepidatious. I would like to get any feedback you may have about this particular development. So please make sure that you reach out with the contact information at the end of the show.
Well, that's about all I have time for. Again, I would encourage you to check out The Chosen. You can get The Chosen app from the App Store and watch any and all episodes totally free. And you have options to donate on the app to continue making this important series. I really appreciate Dallas's heart on this show, which is to do a detailed episode-by-episode series about uh, the life of Christ and, most importantly, the impact that he had on those he chose to follow him. Uh, Because think about it this way. The twelve were the chosen then, and you and I are the chosen now. It says in John that we did not choose him, but he chose us. When I was in Hawaii, um, I went to two church services, one with my friend Adam, and then one with my brother Nathaniel at his church. And in both services, the idea that God chose us was brought out. In the first service, we talked about no man comes to me except the Father draws him. And in the second service, they contrasted predestination versus free will. And the conclusion that was reached in that service was that both exist as coexistent partners in the fabric of the gospel. And that really is so true. We have to make a decision to follow Christ, but the only way we can make that decision is if God prompts our hearts because the Bible says there's no one that seeks after God. No one is good. And so even the capacity to believe in God and to embrace the gifts that he gives us comes from him. Because without him, we would be of all men most miserable. I look forward to being with you again next week. But until then, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 